Hi, folks. Welcome to 3 Degrees Discussions, a podcast focused on the details of manufacturing with 3D printing. My name is Mike Vasquez. Today's episode, we have Dr. Federico Cimarella. He is the president and CTO of MXD, a research and innovation uh, facility here in Chicago. And before we get into the interview, I wanted to just briefly introduce the the podcast. This is our first episode and share a little bit of background on why I decided to, to start this platform for discussions around the industry. So it's actually kind of interesting and, and funny in some ways. So this is my second uh, go at a, at a podcast. So about 10 years ago, a good friend of mine named Henry Hansen and I founded a podcast called Sports, the Sports Technology Podcast. And at the time, um, I was a student along with Henry at Loughborough University in the UK studying uh, additive manufacturing and, and how to apply that in the materials development realm and um, had a passion um, on the, the side for for sports and being athletic and running marathons and um, like baseball and and all things kind of the the geeky side of, of sports and we wanted to to see if we could um, have a way to talk to some of the the cool people around the industry and hear about what they were doing as it came to applying engineering and technology in in the sports space. So we we founded that podcast and um, as things go, we got got very busy. We we built. It built it to a nice size, about 80 episodes, about 10,000 people um, were listening on a regular basis, and we're really proud of where it came, and um, uh, kind of as, as things go, we, we decided to kind of shelve it for, for a time being. We, there's talks of bringing it back, but kind of in that 10 years, I've really transitioned over to the, the 3D printing side of things yeah. kind of full force and, and started a company uh, about uh, going on eight years ago called three degrees um, hence the name of the podcast um, and kind of basically with the idea of helping companies implement winning 3d printing solutions through insights and material expertise and um, have have enjoyed kind of working with a number of people throughout the industry and hope to have many of them on the show and um, other people I've I've had the fortune of, of meeting throughout this time and just discuss all things related to the the business of manufacturing the technology and 3d printing what's developing and um how people are using it in kind of everyday applications and and just uncover some some interesting points and learnings throughout throughout that that series of uh, of conversation and, and so that's the that's the real goal we, um hopefully no no real structure to many of the conversations see where where they go um but at the same time i think um kind of given the the time that we're living in now it's um it was one of the reasons that i decided to kind of go online find some and do a lot of research on um microphones and kind of get the the dust um off my editing skills a bit to um to to start a discussion platform was was really where um kind of i see the industry as as this exciting inflection point where kind of we have this whole kind of covid epidemic that the world is living with now and how that's impacted 
kind of everyday people and, and businesses and certainly on the manufacturing side, there's been no shortage of, of changes and, um, and, and things like that. Um, but you kind of think for six months, months ago where 3d printing was going, it was really on an upward trajectory and with new materials, new platforms coming out, more maturing technology, um, it was really getting exciting to to see where where everything was was taking us, and so kind of jolt in the the epidemic and the changes that have occurred and continue to occur with that. Uh, I just think it was the right time to 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 build a platform where we can talk about some of those changes and um, hear about people's um, experience, kind of leading up to that and and through it, and and I know as as a whole we'll will emerge from this um, with a lot of lessons learned and um, hopefully a lot of improvement, a lot of exciting things ahead. And so um, with that, I want to um, thank you for, for listening into this first episode. I'm doing this um, post bedtime. So um, there'll be no screaming kids around and many of you who know me or have, will come to know me on this. We've got kind of two little kids running around and, and that's certainly been interesting kind of navigating a, a business throughout this time with, with them running around. So, um, it's quiet for now and, um, we'll get into the interview with Federico and, uh, and enjoy the, the conversation with, with him. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, Federico. Um, I think we met, I don't even know, six, seven years ago. So yeah. at the time you were at Northern Illinois University, um, at, just outside the city here. And kind of tell us a little bit about kind of where you got your start in engineering. Um, you know, you have a background in materials, but maybe just start there with um, what your work, what you kind of got interested in on, on that side of things. Yeah, well, I'm uh, very excited to, to be here, so thanks for having me, Mike. But um, really, uh, my interest in materials really started as I was uh, interviewing, or not even interviewing, but but going to uh, IIT to see kind of the different engineering programs. Uh, my, my dad was a professor there, and he was in mechanical engineering, so I knew that wasn't an area I wanted to get into. Um, you didn't want to get into it. Did, did not, right. Wanted to <laughs> avoid my dad at all costs, okay. right? <laughs> but no, really, uh, when I saw the materials program, uh, saw, you know, things like welding and being able to break things and, and not get in trouble for it, it seemed like a, a great place to, to invest some of my energy. So uh, I jumped, jumped in with both feet and uh, no regrets. Uh, it was certainly an interesting time, but uh, had a lot of fun uh, while I was studying. And we weren't a, a big group, uh, so it was nice because we had a, a kind of instant like friends, but also study group and then really helped me get through uh, my first uh, four years. Um, and then really from there, uh, I took some time to work uh, actually in Argentina for a metallurgical uh, company doing quality control. And while the experience was great, I, I quickly realized that um, there was still more for me to learn. And so <clears throat> I got an opportunity to go back and uh, ironically do some research with my dad in his office um, and his lab, I should say, and then continued in, in materials though and, and uh, worked uh, with him 
up until about uh, 2003 when I uh, finished my PhD. So uh, it was a very inter interesting time uh, to, to go through that. Was it always material uh, metals focused were you or it was I, I'm, okay yeah no it was mainly metals focused um i did do for my uh master's thesis i did do a study of a solid propellant uh, so it was a uh a polymeric base but it had some uh, metallic particles for the accelerant so it was studying the fatigue life on that and um did quite a uh, an exhaustive study but then, yeah, my uh, PhD was on aluminums and aluminum alloys, and again, also doing some in situ process detection and modeling of, of that behavior. So um, it, it was really nice to kind of come full circle in terms of uh, looking at a very in-depth uh, analysis of materials behavior, but then tying it to kind of a, an application, um, you know, in, in this case, uh, for the materials, it was a propellant for uh, rockets, and in the aluminum case, this was uh, looking at um, thermal forming and, and things of that nature that were uh, very applicable at the time we were doing the study. Yeah, I'm always interested about that story of kind of people say they're materials engineers, material scientists. Kind of, I mean, that's a huge category. Of, right. Right. Of 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 things to to encompass. I mean, for me, it was. I really started out a lot on the polymer side. I don't know if it was partly to do with some of the classes I was taking, partly to do with just some of the projects. Was there anything that like specifically drew you to the metal side of things? Or, I mean, it was, was yeah, like no, a passion, I, passion I, for that? Or? Yeah, I guess it was just, again, like the whole like melting and bending and breaking. You know, I guess you can do that with polymers, but sure. uh, probably, yeah, I think IIT was traditionally more of a, a metals you know uh although we did i did take a course in polymers with with dr brotman who had a, a very successful uh career in that field um yeah w w i would say the focus had, was heavily on metals and so probably that's why uh the passion for it yeah okay and we met i think um at the time you had just started or kind of were Kind of building the the lab at NIU on more right. some of the the 3D printing side of things. I mean, I guess it was part of the materials mechanical department. So, kind of what was the the data line that drew you over to some of the 3D printing stuff? Yeah. So, um, you know, I in one sense or another um, always looked at any research that I was doing. As I said before, um, what were the applications behind it? And so. Uh, Basically, with my initial work with my father, it was using lasers to uh, gather information. So uh, stress, strain, you know, fatigue, those kinds of things. Um, and then, you know, slowly got into laser materials processing. So welding and um, when I was working for Alliance Science and Technology uh, prior to joining NIU, we had developed an automated laser cladding system. So you know, I would say it's kind of its early form of, of metal additive because we were depositing metal material onto components to repair and refurbish. Um, it wasn't necessarily geared towards developing full parts, but I guess you could have. Um, so, so really from that standpoint, uh, you know, my love of metals and then 
you know, kind of adding materials again for re refurbishing and repairing or enhancing properties of things is really where that started taking off. And so uh, the work that I was doing at Alliance Science and Technology, um, we then had tr transitioned that technology to a company in Rockford where it's, it's still actually there today being used. Um, some of that work got uh, transitioned over to Northern. And so um, once uh, I applied and, and, and was accepted into the program, I kind of followed back up into some of that work that I had done previously. Um, and so really then there we, we kind of had done some initial work on some additive using a very old lens machine. Um, I believe it was one of the first systems um, that they had deployed in their um, uh, containers there in Kuwait uh, for mobile parts hospital. So that's kind of how it all started really, um, is just getting some of that older equipment to do some initial uh, work on additive and, and particularly in this case in metal additive. Yeah, so you really built it from scratch. Yes. Yeah, no, it was exciting. That that laser cladding system was all from scratch. It was a it was a six axis robotic arm. And yeah, it was it was super exciting to be a part of that project. Um I wouldn't say it was really production ready, but we could definitely do some things. And as I said, it's still running today. So I think it speaks to that was uh, as I said, probably started in 2002 2003 so it's, it's it's been going strong for some time now and how did you see i mean presumably you had kind of people and students work with you how is how did the i guess insight knowledge even um understanding of 3d printing and um, the industry evolve over that time i mean that's a long like an early i mean not super super early days of 3d printing in the no, 80s yeah. but still like yeah, I mean, yeah it's right. very nascent in the early 2000s that wasn't something that kind of many people were familiar with yeah no absolutely and 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 it is like today still that that some people are still learning about it and and kind of liken it to to welding right which which certainly we have those points but i'd, I'd say what i've been impressed with is is how it has uh, kind of been s somewhat disseminated throughout the ranks and I have you know I remember students coming to me in my latter years at Northern that had portfolios of you know things that they had building and, and granted most of them were were polymer based uh, additive but really excited to get access to a metal printer in my lab and and really wanting to learn more and and some which had some knowledge based on maybe some work experience um you know so so it has been very exciting to see that change and i can attest to the quality of those students because i've hired several of them to, to work <laughs> right. for me the summer so. <laughs> that's right that's, yeah um, but yeah i mean that's one thing i've i've certainly been excited about in 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 my time in additive is the fact that uh, more and more the some of the design tools some of the even the printing systems and ha open facilities allow people to kind of at a younger and younger age get uh, acclimated with the technology at different stages i mean not everyone has access to a metal printer or laser cladding system or whatever it may be but the building blocks are there and mm -hmm. i think that's that's really exciting to me and and now that a number of universities and even elementary schools, high schools have that um, capability. It's, uh, I think, 
the future is pretty pretty exciting for where that goes. Absolutely, yeah, no, it it is very exciting, and um, I think uh, there are a lot of new things to come. And and yeah, just having the students to have exposure to those uh, systems and technologies really just opens up uh, a whole uh, a lot of possibilities for for tremendous growth in that area. For sure. And did you see most most of your students coming from mechanical engineering or a lot of different yeah. spaces? No, yeah, no. Generally mechanical. Towards the end, I had a, a couple of students from industrial and systems engineering that were very interested in that. And I was collaborating with a new uh, hire that the industrial and systems engineering program had that uh, he came actually from Iowa State and had some experience uh, with a DED system, lens system. So um, yeah, no, it's it, uh, it it mainly stayed there from time to time, just on more side projects, like fun projects. I did have some business students come, some art, you know, uh, music students that wanted to 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 print things on our polymer machines. But um, but generally, the the ones that did kind of the hardcore research were were from mechanical. Sure, and one of the things that I always like to, uh, I'm hoping to get more insight as we do more and more of these conversations is for companies as well. I mean, you guys worked with uh, probably dozens, if not more than that, of, of companies that mm -hmm. engage directly with the university and right. partnered with students and things like that for, you know, how, how does that work in, in terms of, kind of yeah, getting... yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great question. So I think um, certainly, as you mentioned, Northern, we had, we have, or they, they have a fairly good connection to the manufacturing community in, in Northern Illinois and the region. And so through that network, uh, as I, you know, became more familiar with the companies and, and meeting, uh, you know, even former students um, as needs or, or questions arose about, hey, is this something that can be done with 3D printing or, and I know you got this a lot, hey, I'd really like to 3D print this part that we we manufacture. And so you kind of go through that whole process. Well, is this really the best use of 3D printing? And, and you know, what are, what are really your goals? And so just kind of having those discussions and um, really looking at the best way to leverage the technology for them. Um, and so I think once we started building up that trust and the confidence that that we were a you know, a resource for the for the region. We started getting a lot more, um, you know, calls and 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 referrals for um, not just doing research, but also for students, as they as you said, that people are looking for experience um, because there's a an increasing demand in this space. And so, having people that actually know how to use these systems or have done research in these systems. Um, they start becoming very valuable. Um, and so it really was a, a nice thing to see uh, towards the end there where, where a lot of my students uh, were either working for companies um, related to, you know, equipment manufacturers or that were doing research in that space uh, and or working for companies that want to develop their um, capabilities in metal additive. Right, this full circle where you have uh, you. We're at the beginning, we're kind of developing technologies, you're teaching students, you're partnering with companies, and they then go on to to work at these these end users and, and manufacturers. And I think that's um, that's the amazing part for, for yeah. me for this industry is that there's 
so much innovation going on across the country, I mean, across the world as well, but certainly in kind of the U.S. and all over Illinois, all over the Midwest with with companies being innovative with, with these technologies. You may not hear about it because, I mean, I've been to my fair share of small manufacturing right. companies and, I mean, they're embroiled in the day-to-day stuff, but they have a lot of smart people, a lot of um, capable people and, and with these new printing systems with metals and polymers, putting those tools in their hands is, is amazing. And, and um, because of NDAs and all, and all you may not be able to share it so much. Right. Right. Just some amazing stuff happening with kind of starting with people like you that have kind of this kind of planting the seeds early on, building up these lab facilities, teaching students. So it's really been, been exciting for me to see as, as you've grown as well. So the, kind of next adventure you're on. So you're um, president and CTO of MXD. So tell us a little bit more about uh, kind of that, which happened what, late last year, early this year. Kind of yeah, um, it was I, uh, I'm, November. I'm just, yeah, I'm November of pre, last year. Pre yeah, and post COVID now is more. Right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, this was pre COVID. Uh, November, uh, but I would say that obviously <laughs> I probably spent more time outside of the office as a result of it. So um, it was really interesting. We were on a call with uh, with the customer and um, uh, one of my colleagues had mentioned how it had been uh, with with the company now seven, eight months. And I'm like, really, it's already been that long. So it uh, seems like it's been longer, but uh, you know, as you said, given everything that that's gone on with COVID, I think it just makes makes that feel that way. But um, yeah, no. So so MXD uh, uh, is uh, one of 14 of the um, manufacturing innovation institutes that was uh, an initiative launched by President Obama uh, back in 2008 when, you know, we hit the economic crisis and um, really wanted to do something to have an impact in manufacturing. And so um, the DOD, the DOE, and DOC, um, so Department of Defense, Department of Energy, Department of Commerce, they each have their institutes. So Department of Defense uh, has eight institutes, uh, Department of Commerce, or Energy has five, and the Department of Commerce has one. Um, so we are in the Department of Defense uh, uh, um, kind of ecosystem, uh, and our focus really is on uh, manufacturing, digital manufacturing. So hence the name MXD, which is manufacturing times digital. Um, you have uh, the other well-known manufacturing innovation institute talking about additive is our uh, sister um, institute, which is America Makes. They were actually the fir- one of the first institutes. We were the second institute. Um, we're located here in Chicago. And really our mission is to help uh, manufacturers in the U.S., um, built uh, uh, our tagline is building their parts better than the last. So whatever we can do um, in that digital thread, so whether it be design, whether it be supply chain, future factory, we are providing some insight into those technologies to help manufacturers um, produce parts better, um, more efficiently. Uh, and, and those are uh, manufacturers of and big and small, right? Correct, right. So we have uh, small, medium manufacturers, small solution providers. Then we have, yeah, moving up the chain to your kind of tier two and tier ones. Um, so OEMs and, and all the like. Uh, we, we're supporting all across that ecosystem. And uh, and it's been very exciting time 
given everything that's gone on, as you know, with with COVID and and people understanding actually the importance of having a digital infrastructure and a digital footprint, and and a lot of people that were going to go through a digital transformation have accelerated as a result of of COVID. And so, you know, the things that we've been preaching since day one, you know, the institute started about six years ago. Um, and I had always kind of been involved in one sense or another with the Institute, just being from Chicago and being passionate about manufacturing um, and actually having had a project funded. Um, uh, this was in collaboration with Northwestern and it actually had to happen to be on additive. Um, so so really coming full circle and being on this side and, and providing the resources, so whether it's funding through projects or other opportunities that we get to support our members or technologies that we're disseminating through our projects. Um, we, we really uh, um, are doing a lot now and have been very busy again, as I said, with everything going on with COVID. Yeah, um, yeah. What are some so, of the accelerations yeah. that you've seen in, in terms of digitizing for, for manufacturers because of, of COVID? Well, certainly uh, there's a huge interest in, in the supply chain um so so really understanding how to get that into a, a space where you can manage understand and, and and even potentially anticipate any disruptions in your supply chain that's an area um that we're focusing on and trying to provide value to our members um you know the other thing is a couple of years ago we were designated by department of defense as the national center for Cybersecurity and manufacturing and that's another area with even prior to COVID, we were seeing an increase in attacks. And, you know, as you transform digitally, obviously you're exposing your surface area for attack, right? And certainly with this work from home, um, now you're working on home networks and potentially more vulnerable than we were uh, prior to COVID. And so uh, really just trying to educate um, our members and beyond on, on you know, what are good cyber hygiene practices and how you can avoid potential problems. Um, I think at least the statistic pre-COVID was that 35% of all cyber espionage occurred to manufacturers. Um, and just to put that in perspective, um, manufacturing in the US, the majority, I'd say over 90%, we're talking about less than um, 200 employees. And I think 75% it's less than 50 employees or 20 employees, something like that. So, so really, you're talking about a large per percentage of our attacks happening to these small and medium manufacturers, which may not have the resources to protect themselves. Um, and so, so really, how do we help and educate those and empower them so that um, you know they are able to become secure and and still operate in this new environment? How have you seen manufacturing companies adapt in in this environment? Obviously, for for many places, they they're deemed essential, and so mm -hmm. you can't necessarily run a CNC remotely. I mean, in some ways you can, but, but right, there are right. aspects of manufacturing that you need to be in in doing yeah. things, kind of making things. How yeah. how have you seen companies adapt to that? Sure. Well, well, I mean, I think one of the things that that comes to front of mind is is really what what 
an outstanding community the manufacturing community is in terms of the amount of calls um even and and really unsolicited of hey what can we do to help you know as you re recall even with the 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 makers right um making ppe and wanting to help and having you know the same from the manufacturers hey, we're here to help what can we do so so just off the bat, that was something to me. While I always kind of knew it, just seeing it firsthand from this side uh, as being a, a, a member institute that's membership driven, you know, with almost 300 members and coming from across the range, from small to large, of everyone just wanting to help and pitch in, which which was absolutely amazing. Um, from there, really just seeing how resilient uh, many manufacturers are in terms of being able to pivot and, and do things differently than they were doing. Um, but certainly, you know, that's not easy for everyone, right? And so you really start to see where those that have become uh, kind of agile and generally your small businesses are, are that way, right? Because just by nature, they have to pivot and adapt to, to changing circumstances. While this is certainly one that was for the, the record books, um, you know, I could say that 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 uh, many companies have had taken this as an opportunity to kind of understand their position and their value and how to potentially uh, further strengthen their themselves, right? right. Um, and so, so they've they've done a, a great job in responding, but 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 certainly there is, there's a long road ahead of us. And and as I said, as an institute, we're going to try to support them as much as possible. Has it for the institute itself? Have you kind of has COVID revealed any new insights or focus areas that may not have been um, top of mind before this all happened? I mean, cybersecurity kind of probably really highlighted yeah, that, highlight things, but are there, there other yeah. other areas that like hey, like we should really start thinking about this, or we're getting a lot of more questions on right these topics that... yeah i mean nothing that really jumps out other than the things that we already knew like i mentioned supply chain or or other areas like uh, modernization and not necessarily updating equipment to very expensive pieces but even simple solutions where you have like a say a digital camera connected to an analog gauge to give you a reading right so so just basic steps like that um but really i would say uh, one of the the takeaways from all of this was was especially ourselves as an institute, how uh, efficient um, people were working remotely um, and, and understanding the capacity that not only for for the day jobs that, that all my uh, employees had, but also all the COVID response that they were responding to and how that kind of came, um, you know, on top of the day job and, and how hard and committed people were to working to resolve these issues and to come up with solutions for members or with you know certain project calls or opportunities and i would say the same of the manufacturers themselves that that those that could respond responded very well and efficiently even though um, maybe a large portion of their team was working remotely and then obviously as you said with the operations how those people were still going in and running operations, maybe not fully staffed, but enough to get things going and, and operational. It, it has been impressive to see that resiliency. Right, I think for, for many of the conversations we've had, it's been a good inflection point for a lot of people have been either members of MXD or just thinking about some of these topics for their own company. That's, it, there's always something else that takes 
priority in in many cases, like getting the next product out the door, getting fixing a machine, things like that. But when you have big turning points like this, it tends to refocus some of that effort or longer term thinking that you may have been kind of scratching through or have a have a couple of um, of meetings about. But um, it's for me, I've I've seen some of the COVID. Uh, situation really accelerate thinking and making people move and and, and do move into action for for digitization or security for for cyber and things like that yeah absolutely so excellent so kind of looking out as as we kind of knock on wood kind of things at least have settled into some sort of a uh, a little bit of an equilibrium kind of what are what's on kind of your docket in the coming months and and years to continue to support kind of manufacturers through through mxd are there things that you're really excited about as you pointed out certainly people understand the need to um create a, a digital transformation plan and 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 this is something we've always been kind of talking about at the institute but we are really focused on this, um, what we're calling this National Digital Transformation Initiative. Um, so what is it that we can do to assist people in that transformation process? As I mentioned, supply chain is a really big part of that. Um, uh, uh, there are a lot of projects. We've had over you know 63 projects since our start, over $90 million of funding. And so looking at all those pieces that we've already had in terms of um, securing the supply chain, um, uh, making it more resilient, more agile, um, ensuring that people have the right digital technologies and can track, um, you know, performance of systems and machines and, and suppliers. These are all things that we feel um, we've been doing and, and can provide a, a helping hand. Uh, and I would say the you know, the overall picture is really uh, bright as well because I think all the manufacturing institutes have have been having this kind of similar response, albeit all in their different sectors. And so we've we've initiated this conversation on a national manufacturing guard um, where we have, you know, the institutes and its members, you know, providing a role to support um, so that in future, pandemics or future crisis, we actually have a, a, a workforce uh, that is trained to respond to these, right? Um, and so, so that's something that I think is very exciting in, in its uh, early stages here in terms of discussion and, um, and looking for support, um, you know, from, from the government. And I think there has been some initial interest and support in this, in this this idea, and so, so really, as we move forward, it's how do we support this transformation process? How do we ensure that um, the value that we, as an institute, have can be amplified um, outside of our initial, you know, focus in terms of certainly we want to help our members, but, but as we transition, right, we need to think uh, broadly across the supply chain because um, certainly as it um, relates to cybersecurity, you're only as strong as your weakest link, right? And so while everyone may not have the resources or bandwidth, we do have to educate and, and make them understand even taking some simple steps 
um, can go a long way, right? Again, not having to invest in in uh, lots of uh, technology or or certifications, but really just some basic things to to help um, you know provide some some initial support. So so it's 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 very exciting to see where we're going to go. I think um, certainly with um, AI and machine learning. Uh, certainly with uh, 5G, we have a 5G testbed that should be up and running by the end of this month uh, with AT&T. So applying that on the manufacturing floor, I think will also um, lend itself to some really uh, incredible breakthroughs, especially as we're trying to understand this remote um, you know, workforce and, and potential hybrid approach that that maybe with these new technologies like 5G that becomes a lot more realistic and and possible um, than with with current systems. So so I think all of these things are on the table and and certainly areas that we feel we can provide a a good sense of of direction to with our members and hopefully coming up with these great solutions to help uh, American manufacturing. Awesome. I mean, you guys are doing some great work, and I think even as as this continues, there'll be more and more opportunities to have conversations with different manufacturing organizations. I think the the one thing I really like, not only you guys, but all of the manufacturing institutes, it, it allows kind of that dialogue between different groups, different organizations, different companies, the government, all to come together and 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 talk about manufacturing and. And a situation like this even magnifies it where everyone's talking about the same thing. And like you can't go 10 minutes without talking about COVID related things. And I think everyone with their different perspectives can come at it in a different way. And I think it'll lead to a lot of interesting innovations, a lot of interesting um, problem problem set or problem solutions to um, in the coming coming years and, and months. So. So Federico, I appreciate the the time today. If people want to find out more, I think the website is mxdusa.com. So if dot org. Other, yeah, or dot org, org. sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. that's fine. So mxdusa.org. So if yes. there's anywhere else that uh, they should point out or any events that uh, we should keep on our calendars as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. We we um, like most um, with with everything that's been going on, we have a lot of content online now past webinars, some of them which are free, some of them you get access to as a member. Uh, I would say just, and you know this very well, Mike, uh, membership for for MXD is fairly reasonable, specifically if you're a small business. Um, it's $500 for the year, um, you know, and this is something that, that we feel is a tremendous value because um, you're getting a lot of content, a lot of information. Um, we're actually launching a program uh, that we're actually uh, in two days, we'll get responses to a program that we launched project to support uh, the digital transformation for SMM. So we're very excited to see what proposals come of that. And this will be, again, um, kind of like a playbook in some area of uh, digital transformation that would then be rolled out to our tier three members, our small manufacturing uh, uh, solution providers and also manufacturers, um, how to implement these with, with a uh, kind of directed ROI tools. So should be a very exciting um, and, and yeah, definitely uh, webinars and other features on our website uh, that, that are available. So would definitely encourage people to check those out. For sure. Awesome, Federico. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate it.